so, uh, so we've been doing this study in the book of James. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it as we've been going verse by verse through the book of James. And, and uh, James is a small book. It's only five chapters. But I don't know if you've noticed, but it hits really hard. Like James like pulls no punches. He takes no prisoners. He just kind of goes for it. He like, he like gets right to it. And so today we're going to be talking, the title of my sermon is Watch Your Mouth. And, uh, and I tell you, you might want to like, you know, preemptively pick your feet up because your toes are going to get stepped on a little bit. Uh, because, I mean, the, James just doesn't, he doesn't pull any punches. He like gets right into it. There was a verse that we came across in chapter one. And at the time I said, let's like, hold on to this. We're going to circle back because there's a section where James gets a little bit more into the power of the tongue, the, the negative and the positive, you know, power of the tongue. But James 1.26 says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. And so I, I think it's actually really important that we talk about the power of the tongue, that we, that we really think about our words, because we live in a time right now where people will just kind of say anything. You know, there's a, there's a toxicity to our speech, culture-wise, that we really haven't seen before. And I think there's all sorts of sociological reasons why that is, but people will say like, what they want, when they want, to who they want. With, uh, we think it's really good to like, not have a filter. I don't know, it's like this thing. I don't know if people think it's, like, it's being genuine and I'm speaking my truth, but we just kind of think, like, well, if we think it, we're just going to say it uh, without thinking about the consequences of it. And actually, you know what? We, we have a tendency to take certain sins and to say, okay, these are bad sins, and then we have other sins, and we're like, oh, they're not such a big deal, right? So we take like murder and adultery and theft, and we kind of like, oh, those are the bad ones. But the ones that have to do with the mouth, eh, that's such a big deal. You know, like ones about like lying and slander and gossip and boasting, not that big of a deal. But God actually has a different perspective. Uh, those sins are a big deal to God, as, as are the other ones. It says this in Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, it says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. So like, this is kind of a big deal. That, like, that's supposed to get our attention. What is it that God hates? Um, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs, stirs up conflict in the, in the community. So you can see that three of those, like things that the Lord hates, are sins of the mouth are sins of the tongue, and God hates them. They're like a big deal. It causes a lot of destruction. And so we're going to look at James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And so I would encourage you to uh, open up your app if you have it. Uh, you know, you can, Marianne told you about the QR code that we have now when you come in. We're trying to be as digitally friendly as we could possibly be. But uh, every week I put together a fill-in-the-blank notes. It's an outline of the sermon. It's all of the scriptures. You can kind of help you kind of track, kind of stay, stay, follow along. And then you can email it to yourself at the end. And so you can create a file in, in your, you know, Google account or whatever you want to do. But, uh, but James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. And then what I'm going to do is we're going to kind of go section by section. I'm going to give you, from this, I'm going to give you three things that I think James wants us to like be aware of, and it, they're kind of heavy things. And so then I'm going to finish up saying, well, what do we do about that, all right? So that's kind of where we're going. So verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because we know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. 
Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So there's a lot there, and it's kind of intense. And so let me give you three things that I think James wants us to wrestle with, to be aware of, that are really important to understand. The first is this. My words will determine my direction. My words will determine my direction. And then verse 3, James 3, 3 to 4, he gives the example of the horse and the ship. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. So, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about a horse, right? You got this, like, 3,000-pound animal, this huge animal, powerful animal, and you put a 95-pound jockey on top of that horse, and then there's a piece of metal that's strategically placed over the horse's tongue, and then you can just, the jockey, that 95-pound jockey, can steer the horse wherever it wants to go. And so James says that's what it's like with our tongue. Our tongue will direct our life. In the same way, you take like a carnival cruise ship, you know, a floating hotel, and then you've got these rudders that are really small compared to the rest of the ship, but they can direct the ship wherever the ship's going to go. So we need to realize that words are a big deal in our lives. The words, listen, the words that have been spoken over us. Some of you, like, you know, like, life is ch- a challenge. Life is hard That's for all of us. But, but maybe for you, like, you know that you had things that were spoken over you when you were a kid, maybe by your parents, maybe in, like, you know, a, a rough marriage, maybe on the playground, you know, wherever you had these words spoken over you. Maybe some of you, you feel that like these words of rejection have just kind of followed you like wherever you go. Like you wonder if you just have a kick me sign on your back because that just seems to be what you get. And you know that your words, the words that have been spoken over you have negatively impacted you and are a barrier and it's hard to get over it because they, they have this huge impact on our lives. And, uh, and hopefully now that you're following Jesus, there's this kind of reconciliation construction thing going on where the words of God and the words of Jesus are beginning to heal you and beginning to form you and beginning to, to change your sense of identity. But the words that have been spoken over us are really, really powerful. It's the words we receive, but also the words that we speak that sets the direction of our lives. Our tongue controls the direction of our lives. Notice where it says steer, right? It says that it, the rudder steers the ship. So our tongues they can be kind of like a, a GPS for our life that will kind of set where it is we're going to go. And so you got to ask yourself, you know what, listen, there's so much negativity these days. There's so much that we can focus on. What's coming out of your mouth? 
right? Are you, do you have like words of hope that are coming out of your mouth or are they words of despair? Do you have words of faith coming out of your mouth or are they words of doubt? Do you have words that, that build people up around you or do you have words that tear people down? The words that we speak really affect the direction of our life. Like our words can keep us from coming into the things that God has for us. The, the Israelites are such an example of this. When Moses led them out of Egypt, right, they were supposed to go across the Sinai Desert into the Promised Land. The Sinai Desert isn't huge. It's not that big of a desert. It should not have taken them 40 years to kind of traverse the desert to get into the Promised Land. Remember, it took them 40 years. I, that was because of their mouths. That was because they weren't watching their mouth. Remember, you know, they're, they're, they're miraculously delivered from Egypt, and they see God, like, deliver them from the Egyptian army, the most powerful army on the planet at the time, but they quickly forgot. And they, you know, God's given them manna. Every day they wake up and there's this miracle bread that's there on the desert floor and they, they gather it together and they eat it, but then they start complaining and they're like, oh man, remember the leeks and onions we used to eat when we were in Egypt? And I don't know if anybody brought up, but remember we were slaves and sometimes they'd kill us? You know, there was that, but the food was so good. And so, you know, so they're complaining about that. Then they get to the promised land, and I think they were supposed to go right into the promised land, right? And so they send out the 12 spies, and, and it's like these guys, 10 of them come back, and they totally forgot like what they saw God do to the Egyptian army when the Dead Sea swallowed them up and they're just like, we can't do it. They're too big. We're like grasshoppers to them. There's no way. And so what ends up happening is their words spread this bad report and everybody starts murmuring saying, God brought us out here into the desert to kill us. And oh no, this is terrible. This is terrible. And so the end of it, what ends up happening is no one in that generation got to come into the promised land. Their kids got to go into the promised land, but none of them did. And it was their words that kept them from the promised land, right? So we need to be aware that our words set the direction of our life. There is so much negativity that's around us these days. Listen, people are negative. They're concerned about the, about the, uh, the economy. Like there's inflation, and man, gas prices are so expensive, and food, and houses, and a lot of negativity. There's a lot of negativity. We continue to have fear of the coronavirus, and what about these, you know, there, there are these variants, and what's going to happen? And, and then you have our, our political climate. There's so much negativity. There's so much hatred. We need to be careful. The way that we speak, right, the understanding that it sets the direction of our life, how are we communicating? The way we're communicating, is it keeping us from the things that God has for us? Numbers 13.30, Caleb Caleb and Joshua, they were the two who were like, no, guys, come on, we can do this. We can, take the, we can take these people. Remember what God has done. Caleb, it says in verse 30, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. What I want to encourage you, with all the challenges that we have going on, with all the obstacles that we face, I want you to say, like, whatever. maybe you're facing obstacles in your family, and you say, you know what? God is with us. We can certainly do it. Maybe you're facing obstacles because of the economy and you've been out of work or you've been underemployed or whatever it is and you say, you know what? God's going to provide. We're going to be okay. For God is with us. We can certainly do it. Amen? That whatever it is you're facing, that you have that mentality, you say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to watch what I say about this. I'm not going to let negativity consume me. For God is with me. We can certainly do it that we understand that our words control our direction. The second thing that I think James would want us to understand, my words can destroy what I have. 
My words can destroy what I have. Remember I said last week that James is just like, he's the king of illustrations in the Bible. He really is. And he just continues like strong illustration game. Verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, unfortunately, we've seen a lot of this in California and in some of the Western states where we just see these these fires that just rage out of control. There was one last year that burned like half a million acres, right? Burned houses, and it was just awful. And they traced back the cause of it. And it wasn't arson. It wasn't malice. It was someone who was camping. And when they were setting up their tent, one spark from their hammer into their tent peg started this fire that ended up burning half a million acres, right? It only takes a little spark to start a fire that can destroy everything. And so that's what James is saying, right? James is saying one word, one word can be a spark that can burn up everything. We have seen people destroy their lives because of careless words. Right? People have wrecked their marriages. People have said things. I've been in counseling sessions with married couples where you know, they're having problems and something that was said 18 years ago still comes up as fresh. And as soon as like, the aggrieved person you know, mentions it, like that person's face gets red, it was like it was said yesterday. Right? I mean, how many times have we seen people, you know, now maybe it's not just our words, it's our tweets. How many times have we seen people destroy their career, destroy their life, destroy everything because they're not careful about their words? One word can turn into this forest fire that can kind of burn everything down. Right? And so not only does it mess up our lives, it hurts the people that we love, right? Our family members. Think about, you know, if, if you've got some estranged situation, some difficult relationships in your family, it's words, right? It's words that, that did that. It wasn't that somebody attacked somebody physically. I, I hope not. But it probably was words. Words that started that fire that you feel like is burning your family to the ground. It can mess up your friends group. It can mess up your work environment. It can mess up our church. There have been, you know, millions, thousands, millions, I don't know, but a lot of church splits through the years, churches that were serving God and moving and impacting the community. And then there's a little gossip, a little slander, a little this and that. And then all of a sudden, the, the church, the, the effectiveness of the church is just completely diminished. See, James gets really intense. He says, he says, it sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. How many times have you been in a situation where maybe you're getting into it with a spouse, with a friend, with somebody, and you say, well, then they said this, and then I said that, and then they said this, and then all hell broke loose, right? We use that. We use that description and say, all hell broke loose. James says, actually, that description is way more accurate than you realize. Because Satan comes to rob, kill, and destroy. He wants to cause pain in your family. He wants to cause pain in your marriage. He wants to cause pain wherever you are, because that's what he does, right? And he's going to use words to bring hell. So there are times when, when those words are set, like James says, set on fire by hell itself. And Proverbs ten nineteen says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. All right, we got to be careful. That's a little bit of an intense message. <laughs> you guys are just like, wow, Phil, that's, yeah, that's intense. All right, so I haven't told a corny joke in a while. You guys ready for a corny joke? You guys are like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it's, it ties in. So there was this monk, right? This guy wanted to become a Trappist monk. And so he goes to the, goes to the monastery for training, and uh, 
And so part of it is that he's got to take a vow of silence for three years, right? His probationary period, a vow of silence. And so he takes his vow of silence, doesn't say anything for the whole year, gets two words at the end of the year. And so he meets with the supervisor, and he's got two words, and his two words are, are bed hard. And so he goes back to another year, total silence, doesn't say anything, you know, vow of silence, preparing to be a monk, meets with a superior, has two words, says food cold. So then he goes back for another year, and just, you know, silence, doesn't say a word, meets with the superior at the end of it, and then he says his two words are, I quit. To which his superior says, well, I'm not surprised. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. <laughs> All right, but don't bump. That one was stupid. I think that was funny. I think that's a good one. That, no, that's worth a laugh, not a groan. That's a good one. I like that one. All right. Um, you know what I'm going to do with this? I'm going to try to tell that joke in Spanish with a translator. That's going to be hard. If I can get, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to, they're probably just going to look at me like, what are you, what are you doing? But I'm going to try. I'm going to give a shot. All right. The third thing that he wants us to know is that my words display who I am. My words display who I am. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our, James 3 verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And so what he's saying is that our words reveal what's inside of us. They reveal our character. They reveal what's really going on. And what James says, again, trying to bring this home, he says, listen, so like you go to church And you're like worshiping God and you're declaring how great God is and how wonderful he is. And then you get in your car with that same mouth, you start slandering somebody that you just saw at church. Or you start ragging on somebody that you just saw at church. And and he says, this should not be, right? The, The mouth that we use to praise God, we should not use that mouth to tear people down. Jesus said that if we called someone Raka, we'd be guilty of the fires of hell. Now, Raka means literally empty headed. So Jesus, you know, we're saying like if you curse someone, it's not just like F-bombs. It's not, you know, calling down some cur- If you just say that somebody's an airhead or somebody's an idiot or somebody's stupid or they're just so lame, like you're cursing them. And that's a big deal to Jesus. Anytime that you say that someone who's made in the image of God has no value, God has a real problem with that. Now, something that we've all struggled with, we've all done this all right, is, is we've got like our family members, right? We've got our children, we've got our spouse, we've got our, maybe our parents, people that we're really close to, people that we love, people that we sacrifice our life, we lay down our life for them, and we're loving them, and it's all good, and then something happens, a button gets pushed, something, we get triggered, and then all of a sudden, this like vial spews out of our mouth, right? And the people that we love, rather than building them up, we tear them down, and we really hurt them. And some of you, listen, you know that maybe like your dad loved you, but he spoke some things over your life that are still with you so many years later, right? I mean, and so what happens when we do that is we feel terrible about it. We're just like, where, where did that come from? How did that happen? Why did I do that? And James actually tells us why we do that. Verse James 3, 11 and 12, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. His point here is that whatever is in the well, that's what's going to come out. If there's salt water in the well, salt water is going to come out. Whatever the tree is, that's the kind of fruit it's going to produce. If it's an apple tree, it's going to be apples. You're not going to see an apple tree produce bananas. It's not going to work that way. And so what James is saying is your problem isn't really your tongue. It's not really your mouth. It goes way deeper than that. The problem that you have is a problem with your heart. 
It's not just something like exert a little more self-control, learn how to count to 10, you know, take a deep breath. I mean, those are all good things to do. But James says it's a little bit more than that. Like what's going to happen is that your, your mouth is eventually going to reveal what's in your heart. And so you might be able to keep it together for a little while, right? I mean, you might be able to go on some, you know, first dates, some early dates with someone, and you got like all this vileness and all this stuff in your heart. You can kind of keep it together for a little while, but eventually it's going to come out. Eventually your words are going to betray what really is going on in your heart. And so often, right, after we say something that's hurtful, after we say something that's really destructive, we say, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I don't know why I said that. That's not me. And James would say, stop fooling yourself. That is you. That's exactly you. You did meant, you meant it. It came from your heart. What's going on in the inside is going to come out on the outside. You don't have a spring that gives salt water one minute and fresh water the next. It doesn't work that way. Jesus put it this way, for out of the overflow of the heart, Matthew 12, 34, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. See, Jesus was aware of the Freudian slip long before Freud showed up to talk about it. What's inside of you is going to come out. Your tongue will display who you are. It will direct you. It will guide you. But, and it will also display who you are. See, if you have a problem with your tongue, it's much more than a tongue problem, than a word problem. You have a, you have a heart problem. And so a person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overactive tongue, you know, just kind of won't stop talking a mile a minute, they have an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue or a prideful tongue has an insecure heart. A person, person with a foul tongue or a filthy tongue where every other word is F this, F that, they have an impure heart. A person who has a critical tongue, who's always criticizing those around them, they have a bitter heart. And then on the flip side, a person who's always speaking encouraging words has a happy heart. A person who speaks gently has a loving heart. A person who speaks truthfully has an honest heart. And so what is the solution? Right, because listen, I, I, I think we all are hearing this. We all are like, man, I, yeah, I, I got some problems. I got to change the way that I talk. What is the solution? And the solution, it's actually, it's, it's kind of macro, it's get a new heart. You need a new heart. It says this in Ezekiel 18.31, rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, people of Israel? So it's like, listen, why are you going to kill your relationships? Why are you going to kill your own path and kind of like speak these words over yourself that aren't gonna, you're not going to be able to get where you need to go? Get a new heart. Why will you die, people of Israel? So how do we get a new heart? Self-discipline won't do it. Vows and promises won't do it. See, how do we get a new heart? It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So let me just speak for a moment. Maybe there's some people here in the room or online, and you're watching this, and, and you would not say that you have a relationship with Jesus that you're not a follower of Jesus. See, the way it works, like what James believed, what we believe about a relationship with Jesus is what happens is we get to the point where we ask Jesus into our lives. And when he comes into our lives, he actually comes and he lives inside of our heart. He comes into the inside of us and he gives us a new heart. 
You know, I have a friend of mine who's, who's a real evangelist. He's a pastor. He's also a real evangelist. And he was telling me about, about this opportunity he had to share Jesus with somebody. Somebody had come to him because their, their life was blowing up. And, you know, this is, he said this is a person who's got, like, super wealthy, has everything you could want, but his life is a mess, right? <laughs> and so comes to my friend Jay and says, and says, you know, his relationship just blew up and he's a mess. And so Jay's, like, talking to him about God, talking to him about Jesus. And he's saying, like, hey, you know what, you really, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to invite Jesus. And the guy just kind of dismissively said, yeah, 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 I know. I got I to gotta accept Jesus into my heart. And Jay stopped him and said, no, 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 that's a real thing. Like, that's real. You do that, then Jesus will come into your heart. And he will change you from the inside. It will be an inside-out job. He will give you a new heart. He will give you a new... See, the way that it works is we ask Jesus into our heart. And then because Jesus died on the cross, all of our sins are forgiven. Like the perfect sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. And then Jesus comes into our heart. And then he starts changing us from the inside out. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you must be born again. And so just listen, if there's anyone here who's like, oh man, yeah, my mouth is blowing up like all the important relationships and messing me up and I don't know what I should do about it and I'm gonna take a deep breath and I'm gonna count to 10. Listen, try that, all right? But I think the problem might run a little bit deeper. Maybe what you need to do is you need to, oh, well, you need to open up your heart to Jesus and you need to ask him in and you need to say, God, give me that new heart. Something else I think that we all need to do is we need to ask God for help every single day. It says this in Psalm 141, verse 3, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And, and so listen, I, I do this thing. I do this spiritual discipline pretty much every single day. And I think about all of the people that I'm going to meet, that I'm going to interact with during the day. And, and I ask God, I said, God, would you please help me that, uh, that I will be a blessing to everyone that I come in contact with? That I, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, spending the day with my staff, I think about my staff, and I think, Lord, let me be a blessing. But a day with my family, Lord, help me to be a blessing to my family. Help me to be, help me to be a blessing to random people I might meet in the supermarket. And I found that being intentional like that, it really, it makes a difference. And when I'm praying for that, you know, what I'm really asking is for God to watch my mouth. Because, like, I'm not going to go up to someone and, like, punch him in the head. You know, I mean, I'm not going to, I maybe might have done that in junior high school. I'm not going to do that now. So if I'm going to hurt somebody, it's going to be by my words. And so I'm asking God to help me. And that leads to the third point. Decide to speak words of life. Decide that you're going to speak words of life. Now, we've talked a lot this morning about the negative aspect of the tongue, but the flip side of that is that your tongue is powerful. The words that you speak are powerful. Maybe you feel like your family life, there's a lot of darkness. Maybe you feel like your job environment, there's a lot of darkness. Maybe even in like your church group friends, there's like some darkness that's there. Your mouth has the power to transform and change the environment. Like you can change things. You can go into your job and you can like with a heart that's full of God's love and God's mercy and that's expressing it, you can then, I mean, people could look at you and be like, what's different about you? Like what's going on? You know, it can really change everything. And let me just say this too. If, you, if you're one of those people and when you're with a group of people and then one person leaves and then you tell everyone who's left what you don't like about that person, you know, don't, nobody raise your hand if you do that. But if, you know, maybe some of you might do that. I want to tell you, listen, here's the reality. Like, people are on to you. Because people, what they know is that when they leave the room, you do the same thing about them. And so they don't trust you. They don't, 
they try to avoid you. They're like, they, they manage you. They're like really careful about you. What if we flip that around? What if we became people who, when somebody left the room, we were like, man, they're so great. Man, you know what I love about them? I love that they do this, that, or the other thing. Imagine if we did that. You know, then, then you know, the reality is people would want to be around you. People that would really draw people. People would want to hang out with you. So there's four type of words. Four type of words. I want you, I'm giving you a homework assignment this week. I want you every day to speak these four different types of words to someone. And the first one is words of affection. Words of affection. Some of you, it's really hard for you to tell the people in your life that you love them. That you just need to be able to say, hey, I love you. I love you. It's hard to say. For some of you, it's hard to say there are walls that are up. I remember after, you know, last year with everything that went on with the pandemic, and especially when we were in the midst of it, and, you know, March and April and May, and it was just a lot. It was, you know, it was, it was, it was intense. And I, I, I would tell people how it kind of changed me. And I, somebody, you know, in the vineyard asked me to write an article for some vineyard thing about, about how pastoring through the pandemic changed me. And what, one of the things that I said is that I find myself telling people a lot more that I love them. Like, it's a lot easier. I'm going through such intense things with me. It's so much easier. Like, I understand the importance, but I'm on the phone just to be like, hey, man, I just, just want you to know I love you. You know, what's interesting about Jesus and his relationship with his father. We know that the father was talking to Jesus all the time because Jesus said, this, you know, the father always shows him what to do, right? So God was always talking to Jesus. We have two uh, times where we get to listen in to what the Father is saying to Jesus. One is when Jesus is baptized, and the other was when Jesus goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember, Moses and Elijah showed up. And so, and so both times that we get to hear what God is saying to Jesus, it's the same message. And so Matthew 3, 16 to 17, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him, and a voice from heaven said, this is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And then the same message when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is my Son whom I love. Maybe this is the message that God was speaking to Jesus all the time. Maybe this is what God was always saying to Jesus, and we just got to, on these two times, we got to listen in. I remember years ago, when I was planting this church, I was getting this church started, and there was a guy who was very prophetic, which meant that he has this like ability to hear from God and speak God's truth to people. And so he prayed for me. They were praying for me in kind of the preparation for planting this church. And he put his hands on my ears, and he said, God, help Phil to really hear your voice. And I remember when he did that, his hands were really hot and my ears were ringing and it was like something's going on. And so you would think that what I would hear, like if God, you know, if my, if my ears got unclogged and God was going to speak, that it would be like strategy. Like, hey, Phil, you're going to plant this church. Okay, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. The family business. Here's how it's going to work. But what it was, it was for like three or four minutes. All I heard over and over and over again was, I love you, 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 I love you. Listen, God wants you to know how much he loves you. Like you may, listen, like God loves you. That can be like, yeah, that's nice. But when the Holy Spirit shows you, God loves you. Like he, like he loves you. He doesn't just, like he loves you. He also like really likes you. Like you know those quirky things about you that kind of bug everyone else? He loves those parts of you. Like, no, he really does. He, does, he doesn't want us all to be the same. He's like, yeah, I, I love that. I love that. You know, can, I can control it a little bit better as they yield to me, but I love that about them. He loves you. And the more that we know 
that he loves us. The more that we live in the Father's love, the easier it's going to be. If that's in our heart, the easier it's going to be for us to speak words of affection to those who are around us. The second thing is words of praise. Words of praise. Hey, listen, tell people when somebody does a great job, tell them they do a great job. Tell them they're doing a great job. I have this thing I try to do. Whenever anyone tells me something positive about somebody, you know, they'll be like, oh, Jessica's, boy, she's doing, Pastor Jessica's doing a great job with the food bank, and boy, she's really amazing, and this and that. I always make sure that I tell Jessica, hey, I want you to know that so-and-so said this about you. Because the reality is, is Jessica, you know, probably hears a lot of complaints, and so it's good for her to be able to hear when somebody says something positive. It says this in Proverbs 25:11, a word aptly spoken, I love this, is like apples of gold in settings of silver. That's such a wonderful image, right? So let's serve apples of gold in settings of silver with aptly spoken words of praise to the people in our life. Let's be intentional about that. Hey, you're doing a great job. Hey, I love this about you. Hey, you know what I really appreciate about you? We know what I see over and over again. You know how God's using you. You know that we just like look for those opportunities. The third thing is words of encouragement. Listen, it is tough out there. And it is getting increasingly tougher. It's like, remember that old song, Home on the Range, seldom is heard an encouraging word. I mean, that's kind of describes 2021. It seems like it's harder out there. Let's be a people who encourage one another. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Think about the people in your life. You know what they need right? So how can you speak into their weakness? How can you build them up and encourage them according to their needs? Maybe they're filled with anxiety. How can you speak peace to them and build them up that they could be more peaceful? Maybe they're filled with fear and dread. How could you kind of speak strength to them, encourage them that God is with them and they're not alone and they don't have to be afraid? Maybe they're someone, they're, they're filled with potential, but they're afraid to step out. They're afraid that they, you know, they're going to fall on their face. How can you encourage them? No, trust God, step out. So let's speak words of encouragement. And then the last type of word, and again, I hope you're taking notes with this because this is a homework assignment. I want you today to speak these words of, words, of, words, of, uh, words of affection, words of praise, words of encouragement, and finally, words of faith. So that not right now, I'm still preaching. All right, but as soon as I'm done, you can do it. The definition of faith, you can text someone, that's quiet. The definition of faith is that is the substance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things not seen. So words of faith, you see, we focus too much on what we see. We focus so much on what we see. Start focusing less on what you see. Stop telling people. Don't, don't just tell people who they are and what you see, but tell people what they could become. Right? Start getting a sense of God's purpose, God's destiny, God's calling on people. Speak words of faith over people. Now, that's something we try to do here as a church, right? So we have this kind of mantra, you know, we have this saying that we repeat over and over again, that here at the North Jersey Vineyard, the journey that we're on is that you can know God, you can find freedom, you can discover your purpose, and you can make a difference. When, whenever I say that, and we put that on, you know, t-shirts, and that's a kind of everywhere, it's a, it's a declaration of faith, right? That we would be a people together, like we know God, 
We don't want to just know about God. We want to know God. We want to experience his love. We want to experience his mercy, his kindness, and his goodness. We don't want to just take the bondages and the baggage and the chains that we're dragging through life and just drag them, you know, along until we die. We don't want to do that. We believe that we can find freedom, that maybe it was like words that were spoken over you that have turned into a bondage. You can find freedom because whom the Son has set free is truly free. And so it's a declaration of faith. Like, you don't have to stay the way that you are. You can find freedom. God has set you free. And then, you know what? You have a purpose. God has made you on purpose for a purpose. Your purpose is not just to pay bills, you know, from a job that you don't like. That is not your purpose. God has a greater purpose, a greater calling on your life. And so then together, as we are a people who know God, and we're being healed up, and we're finding freedom, and we're discovering our purpose, then together, we can make a difference in the world. You see, what that is, is a declaration of faith. It's believing. It's like, listen, we're, maybe we're not there yet. But we believe that this is where God, this is where God is going to take us. And we believe that this is where God is leading us. And if you join us and you're a part, you're going to be going on the same journey. And so we need to learn how to speak words of faith, words of affirmation. It says this in Romans 4:17. Abraham is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And so let's do that. Let's call things that are not as though they were. Stop complaining about the people in your life and begin calling out the things that you know they could become, the things that God wants to do in their life. And just to say, you know what? I believe God has this calling on your life. I believe, yeah, I know you've gone through this real difficult time, but I think it's because God is preparing you for something else. I just want you to know that I believe in you and I believe that God is at work in your life and here's what I see him doing. Let's speak words of faith to one another. And so I would love to see us, to have us be a church that does so much more than just like, okay, we're careful and we don't tear each other down. Okay, the negatives are real. We want to avoid the negatives, but let's lean into the positives. That we would be a church full of people that our hearts are filled with God's love, filled with his mercy, filled with his kindness, filled with his affection. So we just speak that out to one another, to our families, that we are a place empowered by the Holy Spirit who are transforming the environments that we're in by the power of our words that are coming from a heart that is being renewed by Jesus. Amen? This is what I think God... And listen, if we're going to do... It starts now. It starts now. So, so think about this. Be intentional about it. Speak these words. All right? Let's, uh, let's stand and let's pray for a moment. Because I think there are some specific things here that God wants to do. And first of all, I just want to say to anyone here who's in the room, and maybe somebody, you know, you might be watching on the live stream, and you know that you have not yet invited Jesus to come into your heart. Let me just say specifically who I'm talking to, right? I'm, I'm, I'm saying that, that maybe you've kind of come to church a few times, or, or maybe this is your first time in church. I don't know. But you've never taken that time to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And I accept your free gift of salvation. I remember, you know, years ago, there was this one woman in our church. Every single week, she would check off on her connection card that she decided to become a follower of Jesus, like week after week after week. And so, so I talked to her, you know, I remember one time she said, so what's going on? I almost said her name. So what's going on? <laughs> so what's going on here? And, uh, and, and she said, well, I'm just going to keep doing it until it works. And what she meant was like, 
my marriage is rough, and this is rough, and that is rough, and, and I'm going to keep doing it until everything gets fixed. And I think I said something like, well, you know what, like, a baby's not born and then immediately, like, starts working on its, like, doctoral program, you know? Like, that's not how it works. It takes time. We're taking steps. You're good. You don't have to keep praying this. You know, Jesus heard you the first time. So I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person you've never opened up your heart to Jesus. You've never invited him to come in. I want to give you a chance to do that because, listen, maybe this message, you know, the, God, the Word of God kind of hit you right between the eyes where you just kind of realize, like, I've got a problem. I've got a problem with my tongue. I need help. I can't do it on my own. What you need is a new heart. And so the way to get a new heart is you ask Jesus to come into your life. So let's close our eyes. And I just want to lead us in a prayer. Those of you on, online as well, just close your eyes. And if you're ready to ask Jesus to come in, just say, Lord Jesus, I need a new heart. I don't like what's coming out of my heart. I don't know how to change it. And I believe that you died for me so that my sins can be forgiven. And so I ask you to forgive all of my sins and that you would come into my heart, come into my life and give me a new heart. I accept your free gift to salvation. And Lord, I just give you permission. I, 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 I throw the door wide open and I say, please change me. Have your way in my life because from here on out, I'm going to follow you. You're the boss. You're my Lord. Just keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, if you're in the room and you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Just let me know, just so I can see. You prayed that prayer this morning. Okay. And I'm going to ask you, those of you in the room, as well as those of you online, if you would just text follow to 201-584-7188. Those texts come right to me. And I'm going to just send you an email and just say, hey, praying for you. You know, what's going on? How can I help? Because that's just an awesome, it's, it is a, a life-altering, life-changing decision. I think there's some other things here that God wants to do. So those of you who are on the prayer ministry team, why don't you kind of get, come over here to my right, kind of get ready. But I just, I think there's some things that I just want to lean into uh, some things here that I think God wants to do. So let's all just keep our eyes closed and focus on the Lord. And I just think that some of you, you know that all through your life, there have been words spoken over you that have been negative words that have words, the words that kind of have taken a grip, they've created bondages in your life. They've created mindsets that are so hard to break free from. They've been powerful. And maybe you feel like it kind of, you know, set, set my life on fire in some way. And so if that's you, if that's how you feel, I just, just lift, lift those words up to the Lord. Lift those things. Just kind of, just bring them to mind and just present them to Him. And Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would come and that you would set us free. Lord, I pray, God, that where those words that we've heard, those words of death, those negative words have stayed with us, those critical words, those judgmental words, those, those put-downs, 
Lord, those things that make us feel like we're not lovable, that we're not worthy of love, those things that produce shame. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would disempower those things right now. In Jesus' name, I cast down every lie that's trying to bring darkness into our life, that's trying to bring hopelessness into our life. And Lord, I pray, God, that your voice, your voice that says, you are my son, you are my daughter. I love you, 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 I'm for you, God. I pray that we would hear your voice and that your word of life would bring transformation and bring growth and bring change. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. Lord, set us free. God, set us free. More, Lord. And the other thing I want to do here, and I'm going to close, but but I'm serious about us having a homework assignment. I want us to create some new habits, some new patterns, some new ways of talking to each other. So I believe God wants to give you something to help you. And so if you're comfortable, you don't have to. But I I just find it good to, like, when I want to receive something from God to kind of hold my hands like this, like I'm receiving something. You know, this is like I'm receiving. This is leave me alone. So kind of I want to receive something. And so I just believe that God right now wants to do something in your heart through his Holy Spirit, wants to put something in your heart that's going to make it easier for words of life, words of affection, words of praise, words of encouragement, words of faith to flow out of your life. To flow out of your life. And so come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray God that you would fill us, God, with your life, with your love. And that you would anoint our words so that as we go into our families, as we go into our work environments, as we go out from here, Lord, that we, would, that we would just serve golden apples in silver settings, silver trays. Lord, that we would be anointed by your Holy Spirit to speak words of life that transforms atmosphere, that changes dynamics. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit right now. And Lord, I pray that you would anoint our words, that we would bless, not curse, that we would bring hope, not despair, that we would build up, not tear down, that we would speak words of love, not words of hate. So Lord, we need you, God. We need you. Anoint us right now. More Holy Spirit, come. And I think some of you, listen, you might be feeling something. You might be feeling, I, you know, I, sometimes when God is, I feel like he's doing something with my words, he's anointing me, my tongue will kind of get heavy. You know, where they'll be like tingling around my lips. I think some of you might be feeling that. And that's God. That's the Holy Spirit. Just he's anointing you. And so now that he's anointed you, use what he's given you. Speak those words of praise, those words of life. And whatever you need, we've got some people over here who would love to pray for you as the service closes. Uh, we, you know, the Spanish service doesn't start for another half an hour, so there's plenty of time. And so come on over here, especially if you know that there have been words that have been spoken over your life that have really held you back. You know, let let somebody pray for you that that bondage would be broken. If you struggle because you want to lift up the people around you, but it's so hard, let somebody lay hands on you and pray for you that God would fill you with his spirit so that words of life would come flooding out. Whatever it is you need, whatever's going on, we believe in a living God who really meets us and empowers us. And so, uh, you know what, maybe, listen, if um, I just, just want to pray too, just especially for those, for those of you, you know that, the, that what you tell yourself, you know, the things you say to yourself and the words that you speak 
are setting you on a course away from what God has for you, we want to pray for you that God would, God would set you free and that God would give you a new song, that he'd give you a new script, that you can start declaring things and speaking things that will lead you where God is, where God is leading you into the things that he has for you. So I just think there's a lot of real stuff that we're talking about here, a lot of stuff that's right where we live that's causing real pain in our life, real challenges and difficulties. And so we would love to have the opportunity to pray for you and uh, just that you'd be blessed and that you'd be encouraged, all right? God bless you guys. Have a great week. Don't forget your homework, all right? You got to do your homework. I'll see you next week.